This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome inside the 710 ESPN Seattle studios. Toasty as always. we got the hot stove going. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne, otherwise known as Boy Howdy. Howdy. Really? Well, I've got to be on brand, Shannon. <laughs> now you're going with the accent, too? <laughs> I think you should stick with that. I, and, and accents, we'll get into that in just a bit. We sure will. Very interesting turn. Uh, really fun show coming up over the next hour. We are going to get to know one of the youngest future Mariners, Harry Ford. Number one draft pick last season, intriguing player, perhaps even more intriguing as a person. I had no idea a couple of the revelations that he gave us through this. It wasn't even on my radar, so I'm I'm excited to get to this too. Fun conversation with Harry Ford coming up in just one minute. Gary Hill is going to make us smarter. We're sticking with that. That's it. Get smarter. No, Gary Hill is going to make us smarter is wow. the segment. Not long? get smarter. It, no, I like the long okay. descriptive. This is what it is. It's true. Uh, tackle's a big one. <laughs> Yeah, you have no, you cannot even. There's no room for debate on it. It's true, the end. Okay. Okay, that's how we do things. He tackled a big one today. One of the first analytics, I would say, one of the first deeper stats that we got in the baseball community in the stats revolution. I'm excited to hear more about it. That is coming up in about 15 minutes. In our continuing series of getting to know those who talk about baseball all day long on our beloved 710 ESPN Seattle, are you ready for this one? How could you not be ready to hear Stacy Ross from Jake and Stacy 10 to 2? I can't wait to talk with her. I actually ran into her at the ballpark one time with my kids. She was standing in a never-ending line uh, to get some brisket. So I'm excited to talk to her and find out if she actually got it. So we're going to hear from Stacy Ross coming up in a few minutes. And our hot stove conversation today. I heard something on our airwaves this week that really kind of pricked my ears. That really made me take a look a, a future piece of this team a little bit closer and got me very, very excited. Is it possible, Howdy, that I have been selling Julio Rodriguez short? Wow, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Like, we're going to have to dive into that for sure. That gets its own segment coming up in just a bit. But first, we had one of the most enjoyable conversations I think I've had in a long time uh, with a young ball player. Mariners, they used their number one draft pick on him this last June catcher crazy athletic has speed galore could play in the outfield could play at second base absolutely tore it up in the arizona complex league in a short time of playing for the organization cannot wait to see what he does in 2022 but first we need to learn a little bit more about harry ford tell us a little bit about home you're at home right now you don't get a lot of time to spend at home but you're back in georgia right now what's the best thing about getting to go home best thing about it i mean for me i'm just a people person i love being seeing all my friends that i grew up with i've lived here my whole life so it's just you know getting to be around those guys hang out with them uh there is some things some things here some southern stuff you can't do out there in arizona or seattle stuff so it's it's a little it it has a special place in my heart I, i love it here yeah, I bet. Have you been acclimated at all to the West Coast? Like, what's what's your experience? You lived your whole life in Georgia, but now you're up here in the Northwest with the Mariners organization, and Arizona is another stop. What's your experience with the West Coast? Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, for me, if there's baseball, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be able to adjust there. So wherever I go is good. But I mean, the West Coast has definitely been a little bit of a change. The main thing I've definitely noticed, I think, is just how people dress differently. Really, I think it's very interesting. Yeah. 
like and, and just like the vibes I, I don't know like it's it's just, it just feel you it feels different but I, I like seeing all the all the ways the different ways people live and cultural differences and stuff but it's it's been pretty cool had in and out has definitely been a, a nice a nice add to my to to the food and not not i do miss chick-fil-a when i'm out there but you know it's a good replacement They've got a couple of Chick-fil-A's out here. We can point those out in even some better places. You if you, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. you got to get up here in Seattle. We're, we're very civilized here, oh, Harry. Yeah. We, we've got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We are very civilized here. You've also spent some time in Arizona, and it, it just, it, yeah. I cannot imagine the transition. You know, one moment you're in high school, you're playing high school ball, you're playing everything you can to get to this level, and then your world changes. You are in pro ball, and Arizona, you shipped away from home, and there you are, and uh, surrounded by you know just everybody in the organization. What were those first couple of months like for you once you got to Arizona? Um, it was it was a huge switch. I mean, it was. I, I think I was. I thought I was more prepared for it than I was. Like I thought I was going to be perfectly fine, but it was definitely a little tough at the beginning. I mean, like. Just for me, the biggest transition was just going from living at home and always having people around me to just then being out there on my completely on my own and and just playing baseball. But uh, I started getting better once I once I I started. It took uh, after a few weeks when I finally started playing in games and stuff, and I just felt like you know what I'm here to I'm here to ball. That's what I do, and you know I just started enjoying it. And then I also have had uh, the other guy Mike and Edwin. And they were both out of high school too. We lived together, and it was just after a little bit, it was like we're back home. This is a new home, you know. The three of you live together. Can anybody cook, and can anybody do laundry? Oh my God, no one can do laundry <laughs> at all. Or I mean, and clean, clean was a hassle, man. I tell you, Ed was one of the dirtiest people I've, I've ever lived with. <laughs> but but Mike, Mike can throw down on the grill. He can cook. I remember there was yeah, uh, the last time we were there for the for two months. The one time he did cook, because we were a little lazy, you know, but the one time he cooked, he, he, he made some steak and mashed potatoes, and man, I mean, I felt like it was my mom's cooking or something. He, he, knows, how to, he knows how to cook. That's high praise, man. Not a lot of people compare 18-year-olds yeah. cooking to mom's cooking. That's that's a big deal I, now. I, I know. He, 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 it was special. I, I cannot lie. Like, we were very impressed. We didn't know he could do that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Being 18 years old, you're coming out of high school, coming into minor league baseball and playing with guys who are not 18 years old. They're not high schoolers anymore. What's that like for you? Um, it, it, it felt really weird for sure, because I felt like, uh, the, the guys that they just, they were so much more like mature and just like adulty. And they were like used to the life of like living on their own and, you know, just, just being mature about that stuff. And so at the, at the beginning, I felt like, I definitely felt like I was, uh, an outlier sort of like not a part of the group or whatever. I didn't feel, feel like that. But then, I mean, they're just like us. We're all in the same situation. And we, as the season went on, we were just turning to brothers and it's very, it's very helpful having them around because, you know, they, even though I didn't get to go, go to college and get that experience and stuff, they help so much with us and teach us so many things about even just off the field, just like how to, how to live right, how to, how to, you know, clean when you need to and start cooking and stuff. So they, it's very helpful to have them around us. So have you actually ventured into the kitchen? Do you have a specialty? Is there something you can make? Uh, you know what? I, I make, I make a mean shepherd's pie. 
That's like my one thing I, I'm confident that tastes good and then I can make shepherd's pie and maybe spaghetti after that. Okay, now you brought up the shepherd's pie, which is renowned British pub food, which oh, yeah. this is going to take us on a different angle. We were talking before we started the interview, and this is something I didn't know about you. Um, and, and when you were talking about just uh, liking to, to meet different people and coming to Seattle and the different things that you notice and, and the cultures and whatnot, you are very multicultural. You, you as we termed it, are yes, sneak, sneaky British. Oh, so, yep. I sure am. All the way from Europe. <laughs> Tell us about that. What Your family origin is not from Kennesaw, Georgia, right? Oh, nowhere near. No. Both both my parents are completely British. They're born and born and raised there. My mom had my mom's also half Jamaican too, but we just we just claim England. <laughs> and my dad my dad actually just moved back to live over there. I went to England this past week and basically just dropped basically dropped him off over there. <laughs> and he's he's gonna come back and uh, come back and live in America once I get up to Seattle. So I'm trying to get up there as fast as I can. <laughs> Now, you say you spent a lot of time in England visiting relatives. You're the American cousin, which I'm sure there's a buzz about mm-hmm. that. Um, what What's it like to have the British side of the family look at you as the American? You know, it's funny. They they, they often can't understand my accent sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that a lot over there. They always ask me to like to repeat stuff because they can't understand it. But, um, no, it, it's it's really cool. It, it's, re- it's fun because we don't, I mean... Yeah, we're family, but I've only seen them maybe like five or six times in my life. So there's always stuff to talk about, and you know we're all, we're we're pretty close over there. And uh, yeah, it's fun. They teach me about England. I teach them about America, and it's uh, they always ask me like, oh, what's it what's it like in America? Like, like you get what do you guys eat? What do you do? Like, is, is there Chick Fil A and stuff, and baseball and football? <laughs> yeah, that's got to be a really different yeah. experience, right? Because soccer is the big deal over there. What about baseball? Is, is that something yeah. that they deal with at all? Uh-uh. No. <laughs> Any, anytime uh, they ask me about baseball, I have to compare the rules to cricket. I was going to say, yeah. So did you play cricket at all? Like, Did they bring you over and you have like a family cricket game because no. that's what they do? I, I, I haven't played. I've been to a game, though, in England. I went to a cricket game. And if I have to, I have to say, if I was brought up over there, I probably would be playing cricket. It seems pretty funny. But um, no, I never got the chance to actually go out there and play. We're visiting with Harry Ford, the Mariners' number one draft pick just last year. We're looking forward to seeing him in Arizona in just a couple of weeks. And Harry, everything when you talk to anybody about you, one of the first things that they say is athlete. And uh, it's interesting that you're a catcher, a position that can be a little bit more stationary. And we hear that you can run, you can play in the outfield, they can put you in the infield if need be. Uh, how, how did you settle on catcher? How did you become a catcher? I was I used to be a primary like third base and outfield, but I got so bored out there. Like I was the kid who was like doing flips and like drawing in the dirt and out there and stuff. <laughs> Because like I wasn't, it wasn't like my mind was occupied the whole game. And so it was like one day, like when I was like nine or something, they they asked if anyone wanted to try catching because the dude got hurt. And so I tried it out, and then ever since then, I just I've played every game since catcher, and it's been my thing. What is it that you enjoy about catching? I just love uh, everything about catching. Like there's just you have so much of an impact on the game. And I feel like it takes a, a really special person to be a catch, uh, to be a catcher. Like you have to be so selfless and, and giving up your body for the team and everything. And 
and just like you use your mind so much more for the game and which what a lot of people don't see as well and you know that's just i just love it so much because like I'm sure, like the outfielders and the infielders, they have a they have a bunch going on as well. But catching is just you're you're responsible for just so much more, and it's just it's a blast. What other athletes are you? Do you look up to? What are the people that you have like maybe modeled your game after, or just the people you love watching that inspire you? Um, I I honestly I don't have anyone that like I model my game after per se. Like I I mean I take tips here and there and everything, but I always just try to be out there and play like me. But my my favorites, though, I mean, Freddie Freeman has always been my dude. Freddie Freeman, uh, I got I got a ball signed by him when I his rookie year when I was like eight, and my dog chewed it up. But I still have the ball. And uh, and Acuna, lost my ball. I know I, I got a couple of Atlanta players, but that's that's just, that's just my home and everything. And uh, yeah, those those two, those are my big two. What was it like to watch them in the World Series? Oh god! I mean, I would have killed to be home. I was I was in Arizona when the World Series was happening, but I mean, it, like when they won, it, it like almost made me cry. Like me and my friend, we were running around the house. We watched every game start to finish, and it was it honestly was was very surreal because it, like being from Atlanta, we we are not good with sports. Like, anytime we get to the playoffs, we choke. <laughs> and so, actually, just seeing them go that far in a team that, like, I've been watching my whole life, it was it was amazing. We've only got about another minute to go here, but, uh, you know, obviously, it's all going to get going again. Not that you guys ever stop. We know the work that you put in, but what are you looking forward to in getting to Arizona and knowing that at some point everybody's going to be there, the big leaguers are going to be there. You're going to be around this group. What are you looking forward to and in, in having that opportunity to 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 have those guys, you know, in the clubhouse, in the weight room, in the hallways, on the fields there? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, just picking their minds. Though. I mean, like uh, I think when the, and we had HPC camp pass in like November or October or so. And, you know, there was dudes like, you know, Julio and, like, Emerson and, and George Kirby, Brash, like, all the, all the big dudes were there. And it was it was really cool just to see how differently, like, the top dudes work and how it's not even – even if, like, we never picked up a bat or a ball or anything, but just how it's so – how the top dudes really work out and just carry themselves and act and what they do off the field and everything. So I'm just so excited just to be around them for as long as I can and just talk – just being able to talk to them. We're looking forward to it, too, and we're looking forward to talking to you again. Uh, you know, we, we strayed off our Thank path. You. This is not the direction we were going to go in. Uh, usually when it we... Wasn't. No. <laughs> oh, but this is better, We Shane. have to it's be prepared, and you took this in a completely different direction, which we so enjoyed, and we look forward to seeing oh, you again. Fine. All the best in 2022 for you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. And howdy, maybe next time we'll talk to him about baseball. <laughs> right having a guy who has that kind of a background with his family in england and growing up in the south being a braves fan then coming up to the pacific northwest just an awesome journey yeah and how did we not get to ted lasso with him oh no we missed it oh, of course he would have been he's, he's 18 years old he's 19 years old of course he would have been into ted lasso and you got the mariners thing with a fun differential we missed it yeah, we, missed we should it. do it we again absolutely we Let's will do it again. again yes absolutely <laughs> call him up tomorrow <laughs> All right, coming up next, now we had the fun there and now the work. The work comes up next. Gary Hill is going to make us smarter. 
Hey, check out our Flex membership. Sit in the bleachers on Friday, then snag tickets behind first base on Sunday. The best part, save 10% or more on tickets and get priority access to the 2023 All-Star Week and the postseason. Start making those summer plans at Mariners.com slash Flex. The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. The 22 season is packed full of great times at T-Mobile Park. Don't miss out on matchups against the Yankees, Red Sox, and Braves, plus seven fireworks nights and Ichiro Hall of Fame weekend in August. Secure your seats now at Mariners.com. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne, and uh, James, we are going to turn this over to Gary Hill. He's going to do some heavy lifting. He is going to tackle probably the most misunderstood and probably the, the metric that we get the most questions about. Gary? Take it away. Well, this week we are going to explore war and what it's good for. And as it turns out, it's absolutely something. War simply measures a player's value in all facets of the game. Hitting, base running, fielding, and pitching. And it determines how many wins a player is worth more than a replacement level player at the same position. And replacement level player, meaning a minor league replacement or a ready available fill-in free agent. Now, there's a few important things to keep in mind with war. There's not a standard war formula. In fact, you've probably heard of two of the most popular ones, Fangrass version of war, F-war, and baseball reference version of war, B-war. And both have a slightly different formula with both position players and pitchers. It's also important to keep in mind that war was not designed to be an exact measure to the decimal point. It is meant to be an approximate number. It's a formula, formulas that are evolving and changing over time. And while the numbers aren't exact, they give you a really good idea of what is going on. I think about war as a really good guideline. Think about it like this. If you have, you can make a really good case about a player that has a two-war, having a better season than a player with a 2.2 war. It's, It's easy to make that case. It is harder to make a case that a player with a two war did not have a better season than a player with a zero war. And you may have heard the numbers thrown around, a two war season or a four war season or a minus one war season or whatever. Fangraphs has a really good rule of thumb chart with where numbers slot in. So they list anyone from a zero to one war as a scrub. That's the Fangraphs definition. One to two war as a role player. Two to three war is a solid starter. Three to four war, a good player. Four to five war, an all-star. Five to six war, a superstar. And six plus war in a season MVP level. So, you're probably wondering, how is war calculated? And that's a really good question, and it depends on which war you're looking at, because each is calculated a little differently, whether you're looking at baseball reference or whether you're looking at fangraphs. For the sake of this discussion, let's continue with fangraphs. So, basically, to calculate war for fangraphs, you take batting runs, base running runs, and fielding runs... And then you add a positional adjustment because it matters if you're a shortstop as opposed to a first baseman, a small adjustment for their league, and then add replacement runs so you're comparing them to a replacement level player. 
Now that doesn't seem too complicated, but then you peel back the layers in each category. And that's when things get a little more complicated. It represents years and years and hours and hours of work and pages and pages. And we do not have enough time to go through each one of those formulas. If you want more information, I encourage you to go to Fangraphs. They detail exactly how their war formulas come together. Same with Baseball Reference. They'll have all the details for you there. I wish we could go through it all now, but we just don't have the time. Fangraphs and Baseball Reference also differ on how they calculate war for pitchers. Fangraphs uses uh, FIP, Fielding Independent Pitching, as kind of their basis, the main component to calculate war. Meanwhile, Baseball Reference, they use runs allowed, both earned and unearned, and then they adjust from there in further calculations. The bottom line is with war, it is a very helpful number. Whether you're measuring a single season from last season or 10 years ago or a career, it is extremely helpful. And it's the best number we have right now that puts together the entire value of a player. Hitting, fielding, base running, the whole thing. Is it perfect? No. And defense is a great example. Fangraphs war and baseball reference war both calculate defense differently. And I think we'd all agree that there's lots of room to improve on how defense is calculated and how defensive numbers are calculated. And of course, that plays into the formulas as well. So not perfect, but a good guideline. And it still leaves plenty of room for a hearty baseball discussion. Which is probably the point anyways. Gary Hill, very brave. Taking on a uh, very complicated stat that really has been around for a long time. I don't know when the exact origin of war is. And now there are a couple of companies that compile their own wars. I think ESPN even uses their own war as well. But I think it's a super valuable stat, Shannon. Oh, without question. And like any stat, you have to take so much into consideration when you're making an evaluation. But this stat, it's like the super stat, it does. War takes an offense, defense, a lot of different factors to really give a cumulative score for a player. I love how Gary talks about that is don't look at the difference between a two war and a 2.2 war. The idea is contextualization. How good is this player compared to other players in the league, other players with their position, other players on the roster? I think when you look at that lens and say Mike Trout's an 8.4 war player and Abraham Toro is a .7 war player, you can kind of understand that those guys are really different values. So being able to just have a good score, a generalization to determine as a starting point, why is this guy good? Why is this guy underperforming compared to his uh, competition? I think it's a really valuable stat to understand. And just for fun, and this is something I do almost on a daily basis, and there's no avoiding it, but you go to baseball reference for so many different things, and this is not selling fan graphs. I use both wars, F1. War and B War, but uh, the visuals on Baseball Reference are just right there in your face when you go to the Mariners page. Every day they have updated Mariners War, and it is if you haven't seen it, it's great. They have the pictures of the players all the way across, and, and them there right now. If you want to know, uh, according to Baseball Reference, Baseball Reference War, Ty France was your number one war with a four point three last year. And they've got Crawford, Flexen, Haniger, uh, Steckenrider, Marco. Casey Sadler, Kyle Seeger, your top 10 right there. So you can check it day by day. There's a great visual on Baseball Reference. Also go to Fangraphs. Absolutely cannot do this without them. So, so many different places. But if that is just something that you want to real quick and where are we right now, if you have questions about how this player is contributing, that's one way to look at it. Speaking of players contributing, this coming up next, this kind of blew me away. Just how much of a difference maker could Julio Rodriguez be next year? 
I don't know about you, Howdy, but my eyes were opened by one projection this week. And if it's right, (laughs) oh boy. We get into that next as the Hot Stove League show continues on 710 ESPN Seattle. The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to the Hot Stove Show. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne, and we've had a lot of fun. We talked with Harry Ford in the first segment. No idea. He's sneaky British. Sneaky British. I love the way that you put that, sneaky British. And it is sneaky because I don't think I've read that or heard that about him anywhere. I haven't seen that anywhere. In fact, I'm not even... Was he putting us on? I hope not. Boy, we're going to look like real <laughs> fools if he was. But good on him. That'd be a great prank. We will get back into this uh, when we get to Arizona and have a chance to talk with him a little bit more. Just one of many, many young, exciting players in the system. And it's funny because you think of Ford at just 18 and you think, well, he's so far away. And then you look at this Mariners organization. Up oh, there's Jared Kelnick. There's Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he can dream big. It might not take very long. This this team's getting very young very quickly, and he could be a part of that. And Julio Rodriguez, we talk so much about him, and we have obviously a lot of excitement about him. But there was something that was on our airwaves this week that really, really made me just stop and go, what? And, and start to think about some things a little bit differently. And I, I think, you know, uh, this week the Zips projections came out, and I think some people were a little bit disappointed in what they saw for the Mariners being projected to be an 80-win team. You can explain that a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. And that takes into account projecting last year's performance, current roster depth, and then comparing it to the rest of the league, and then spitting out for every team in the league what's their projected win total for the upcoming season based on all that information. So as of right now, this projection with the current roster and everyone else's roster has the Mariners in that position. And so that takes into account some of last year's luck that happened with the bullpen and the one-run games, which averages out over time. The young players maybe stepping up, losing some of the production of Kyle Seeger. And, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot. There's a lot of holes left on the Mariners team that they will likely fill through trade and free agency. So as it stands right now, having them losing 10 more games than they did last year and being fourth in the AOS tied with the Angels. Which you look at it and you go, well, it's an unfinished product right now. They are going to add to it. So you feel a little bit better about it. But then there was more. On our morning show, on the Mike Salk show this week, Dan Simborski, who... uh, puts together these projections for fan graphs and so much work goes into it and so many simulations and so many numbers go into it it's kind of like war you don't want to get too into it he does it. if you want a little bit more about that you can check out the podcast page on mynorthwest.com the interview is there so he inputted all the numbers and everything that goes into it but he also gave some of his own impressions and what he sees and what is not factored into that, and this this kind of blew me away, what he saw is could be a difference maker in, in adding wins to the Mariners' total, and uh, what he saw in specific in Julio Rodriguez. He's one of the very few players projected uh, by Zips to have a three-win season in their rookie season, and as of right now, he wouldn't even be on the roster on opening day. Uh, I, I think he's one of those players who could be the Mariners version of a, of one of the phenoms, you know, Tatis, Acuna, Soto. So Julio is not part of that projection right now, but that's not kind of what was the eye-opening in that statement there. The company that he is putting him in, James. It's rarefied air. I mean, he goes on to talk with Mike Salk. The, the players that have been three-war players in the league, it's an impressive company. The list of, of players who Zips has projected at 22 and under to be worth three wins in a season is a very small list. Uh, you go back to 2014, it's, it's Vlad, Jr., Tatis, Bobachet, Acuna, Soto, Tucker, Betts, uh, Albies, Harper, Lindor, Seager, yeah. Machado, 
So essentially the best players in baseball now. Yes. Do you remember, Shannon, the fever pitch that we had when Logan Gilbert and Jared Kelnick got pulled up that day, uh, the same day last season, and the way that we collectively reacted that, man, the next generation is here. This, This could be the next future stars. That hasn't changed, has it? I think it has. I think that when you take a look at what he is saying right there, because when I think Julio Rodriguez, I think, well, yeah, there's going to be an adjustment period. And when you are talking about a Tatis or when you are talking about a a Vlad Jr., that's different level, isn't it? Absolutely. And to me, he says it really clearly. What we know now of those guys after their amazing rookie seasons is they are the faces of baseball. They are truly the best players on their team in year two, year three, year four of their careers. And it started with a year one that was all-star level production. I mean, a three-win war player in baseball is above average, solidly above average. And if you're talking about 120, 140 games of that kind of production out of a rookie, and then you talk about some of the step forwards that some of the other young players could be providing for you. I mean, there's legitimate reason to believe that the Mariners' biggest impact bat coming into this season, if they don't make another addition, will be Julio Rodriguez in his rookie season. That's amazing. Which had me kind of rethinking things a little bit because you look, and it has always been the Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez show in the minors. And you will remember they were kind of two and three or one and two, and and their projections were very close. It sounds like Dan has got Julio elevated a bit here. Yeah, and let's contextualize maybe into some more um, traditional senses of statistics. When you're talking about a three-win player, you're not talking a 200 batting average and 10 home runs in a season. And Jared Kalnick's last season was a struggle, and he still hit over 200 eventually and was hitting multiple home runs. I think he had over 15 home runs in partial of a season. If you're talking about a three-win player, you're probably talking about at least average defense, so it's not tanking his war. You're talking about a solid batting average and probably some decent power, too. I mean, that's potential of 15 to 30 home runs in that category. If you see that from Julio Rodriguez coming up this year, that's a major impact. That is a huge impact. There's no question about that. And it would be offensive impact, majority of that, which would be big because that is what this team needs right now without question there. It's funny because I think it gels with anybody that's been around him and has seen him. It's just been up, 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 up with him. And what Dan is saying, and again, it's a projection. And nothing means anything until it's happened on a big league field. But this was eye-opening for me, which now brings us to the point of when do we see him? Fascinating conversation. I don't know how much of this will be tied to the figuring out of the CBA and how they handle young players, but last year the Mariners showed with Jared Kelnick they're willing to bring somebody up maybe earlier than some of the conventional wisdom would say. And they've shown that in the past with other prospects that some have said they rushed. But if Julio Rodriguez is at the point where most objective analysts would say he could come out and be a three-war player, he could be an impact player this season, if they're ready to bring him up in the first month or two of the season, I mean, maybe that does change some of your strategy this offseason and how you build the team. 
It's going to be interesting or tough to see how the CBA affects this because it could affect a number of things. When you bring up a young player, if we are looking at a shortened spring training, does that affect Kyle Lewis, who's missed nearly an entire season? You know, what do you do with these players that actually do need an entire spring training? I think that, you know, that is something that you keep a wary eye on and just one more reason you want this all over with. That could have impact, things to look for down the road. The other thing to look for, and Jerry Depoto was clear about about this when we talked to him in the fall the plan for Julio I, I think is dependent on what they are able to bring in if they do add that other outfielder that we have been yelling for and screaming for and, and, and hoping for that might slow things down a little bit they might go on a more conservative path if that is is what happens if they don't bring in somebody, I think we see Julio Rodriguez a lot sooner. And you had told us a couple of months ago in uh, in our podcast that we were doing Talking Mariners that they were working on Julio Rodriguez at a different position than I was anticipating. He was playing a lot more center field the last month and a half of the season. Is he the long-term answer? Now, nobody has said that, and I don't know that that's true, but, and this is something that you point out, put a challenge in front of Julio Rodriguez and on the ball field, and he accepts that challenge. And he's a big guy. He's a really big guy. That's why most... So is Kyle Lewis, though. Right. It and... surprised me what Kyle Lewis could do out there. So that kind of... I kept my mind open to that yeah. because of what we saw from Kyle Lewis. And if just for context, a lot of analysts will say that bigger athletes tend to not be able to play center field. There's just a lot of pounding that goes on for their bodies. And speed and agility is typically stronger for a little bit shorter athletes than it is for the larger ones who have more power and explosiveness. So usually the projections will put those guys in corner outfield spots, but there are rare talents in baseball. And there's a real good chance that the Mariners have two of them in Jared Kelnick and in Julio Rodriguez. And both of them, from what I understand, have a good shot to be playing in center field. Well, somebody's going to have to play in center field, so I think we are going to see Gar- uh, Jared Kelnick out there. Who, and again, Jerry Depoto, I think, admitted that Kelnick probably profiles better on a corner, but I-, I don't think we saw his best in center field last year. I think he is far too young in in the process. To I didn't like what I saw there. I'm giving up on that. I think you let him get back out there under more normal circumstances. He's going to be more comfortable this year. Man, you've got to be so fired up, Shannon. We need to end the lockout now because I want to see these guys in center field. <laughs> Who do you start opening day in center field, Howdy? I'm right now. If I have to choose from the guys on the roster, I'm going to start Jared Kelnick and trust that he's been spending this whole off season making that a goal to be a good center fielder. But I'm leaving the door wide open in spring training. If Julio comes down and knocks it down, I'm letting him walk right out there on opening day, and he can play center field for me. You know, Kelnick is at his facility. You know, walking through the snow every day in Wisconsin and getting into the warm baseball facility, taking his swings and running routes and everything. Cannot wait to see him. I I don't know that we've talked enough about him this off season. That'll be another show, no doubt. But so exciting, both with Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez, and an interesting projection that we heard this week. Hey, the ultimate way to experience Mariners baseball is by booking a 2022 Sweet Night. Enjoy private seating, VIP parking, fantastic ballpark fare, and much more. To secure your suite and enjoy the summer's top ball games in style, visit Mariners.com slash suites. The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Receive the latest on everything Mariners when you sign up for our text messages, breaking news, alert on ticket specials, and more. All you have to do is text Mariners to 24247 to sign up. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne with the Hot Stove Show here on 710 ESPN Seattle, and I have been looking forward to this all week. No slight to anyone else who has sat in that chair across Slight from intended. Us. Well, I mean. Challenge accepted. I've- <laughs>
Disrespectfully, I agree. I mean, and this is why I'll just I'll back up now and you can take over. Stacy Rost is joining us in our weekly. Uh, we're just Stacy getting to know the 710 host baseball. Everybody has their own baseball. Everybody experiences the game in a different way. Everybody has their own history with it. And we have not been disappointed yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You're in the hot seat. I can't wait to be the first to disappoint you. <laughs> baseball? What is this baseball? We have not of? been disappointed yet. So without further ado, here's Stacey no Ross. pressure. Well, you were butting in even before we introduced you. I do that a lot. Absolutely. And I noticed we did not bring your heater over or, I know, I'm really you know, we did bad. not. I yeah. can get it. Yes, Don't worry. Okay. Or I'll but start a fire. Okay. There's a garbage can down here. <laughs> Stacy. I so enjoyed during the season. We uh, we embarked on something new at the station, and once a week, you know, we'd been hearing from Jerry Depoto every week, and by darn it, it was time to hear from Scott Service mm-hmm. himself. And uh, every week, uh, you, myself, Jake Heaps would would just try and break him down, and and I think I think we were successful at times. <laughs> I think so. I think my favorite was. Uh, trying to get him to tell us whether or not they'd promoted Kelnick. And we just were trying to get out, get it out of him. And finally, he was like, I just got to the hotel or I just got to my office. Just like, stop asking me. <laughs> it was really fun, though. Obviously, you've had many interviews with him. And so I don't know if it if any part of that like shifted your perception of him. But it did mine because I hadn't interviewed him a ton before. And uh, I really enjoyed our talks with him. And I found that as the year progressed and I kind of hope we we pick up at the end that as the year progressed we got a little more insight into the things that he personally loves most about being skip and and about overseeing these young guys and it almost made me feel more confident that this is the guy to take them on that path to the postseason take them on the path to the like let him finish this story is how I was feeling by the end of it like you could just see the passion yeah it was a remarkable story he was last year on top of everything else and and all part of the progression of what they've been doing yeah and tell us a little bit more about how this came to be for you because you've started your career in media several years ago and you have a a history with writing and with the Seahawks and now getting into the show doing Jake and Stacy 10 to new 10 to 2 getting to talk baseball on a regular basis. What's that been like for you as you've moved into covering more of the Mariners, covering more Scott Service? Yeah, 64 years ago when I was born. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So I am going to be a little honest, probably a little too honest and more than I should be as someone who's supposed to be an expert on a lot of things. But I was really late to like falling in love with baseball. Didn't watch a ton of sports growing up. Um, And so I almost feel like Learning about it, learning more about it and falling in love with it as an adult, it's obviously not the same as when you're a kid and you grow up with it and you have really emotional attachments. But it's like every time I learn more about it, you get even more eager and you have like this feverish desire to learn more. So it's just a very different relationship with baseball um, that I that I started personally when I was more like 18, 19, 20, as opposed to a kid. Um, and uh, the thing I loved about not transitioning to covering baseball, but talking about it more is, I don't know if you guys feel this way. There's just a different feeling. That's almost like more romantic about baseball. Like there is a different feeling being at a ballpark, specifically in my opinion, a ballpark at night. uh, than there is being at a football game, the feelings of a football game. I love both of them, but the feeling that I was able to get being at the games for the Mariners late in the season, I had personally never experienced before. I mean, I was like alive in 1995 uh, and subsequently alive in 2001. <laughs> good, good. But, but um, like, I, again, I wasn't raised playing sports, talking sports. I didn't experience any of it. I didn't. 
from afar, kind of. But like my age in my 30s now, the first time experiencing that, like I felt just an indescribable connection to the sport that I hadn't before. So it was kind of one of those, okay, this is what they're talking about. Yes. This is why it's important yeah, to, to win and that's to work exactly for it. Yeah. And it was one thing, I remember when I first got into sports radio, I was thinking, what if people can figure me out? Because A, I got into sports so late, but like I didn't have the same playing experience. And what if I don't have the same passion? And what if it's obvious that I don't have the same passion? Because it's the most important thing you can have. And I now feel that so deeply <laughs> that it's that it's funny that I ever worried about it because it's so easy to fall in love with it and it happens so quickly and it's one thing to start out looking at uh, numbers and that's kind of how I decided to get into it just because it you know you're learning about it but being there talking like we did with Scott service seeing different sides to uh, not just people's jobs within baseball but just what baseball means to people I mean it's been so fun. I cannot believe I get paid to do it. How cool was that for you to see a packed stadium, to be wandering oh around God. the stadium when there's just people everywhere mm. and that buzz? I mean, it's so different than two, three years ago when we would go to games working here and yes. there's 10,000 people in the stands and most people aren't paying attention because they're, the winning product isn't quite there. What was that like last year for you? It was electric. It was. I felt like, is is this how playoff baseball feels? Like, I know it wasn't playoff baseball, but oh, it was like everyone is jam packed in. And I found myself not even wanting to complain about concession lines, even though I still did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because uh, because I was like, there's no way I can ever complain about baseball in this town if this many people are showing up and this many people care about it. And I know it wasn't the outcome people wanted, but imagine that feeling regularly for this team. Like I just was thinking like, what if something like this, what if this feeling happened for a big series in June, right? Instead of like at the end of the year when they're really trying to get into the wild card. Like, I wonder if this is what it's like for other teams when they have a big series against the Red Sox and Yankees and both are contenders. And it's kind of like the middle of summer. Like, is it jam packed like this? And I, it was just, I hope that happens. I know. Every night. I I hope that that happens. I, I really do. What is something you know today that you did not know 18 months ago? Oh, man. Or maybe oh, even man. just a way of looking at baseball that's just evolved as you watch it in a day-in, day-out basis in a playoff run. I mean, that's something right. that's yeah. new for us. Yeah, essentially. I, I mean, this is not a test. <laughs> I think uh, I think how, um, how much or how little emphasis to put on small uh, data points for baseball versus football. In football, you talk about one game for an entire week, and in baseball, I... I would say even in the last 18 months, specifically with the roller coaster that the Mariner season was made me much better at this, that the context understanding a season requires you to step back and look at the entire season, which is not something you really do with football. There's a roller coaster in football a little bit, but like if a game, if a team has three horrible games, they're typically a horrible team, right? Mm -hmm. Not all the time, but like even like a, like a down month for a baseball team, doesn't mean anything. I mean, look at Atlanta coming in and surprising people. So I would say learning learning which data points to take in and absorb and which don't matter as much. I know that you have a uh, different way of looking at some things. If you could fix no. one thing in baseball, what would it be? So in this way, I do agree with uh, the players' side. In general, I agree with what the players are fighting for with CBA negotiations, but I'm not a fan of tanking. And um if I could change one thing, it would be to try to find a way to create more parity 
as a long-suffering Mariners fan. I know a lot of people feel that way. And I think the thing that makes me angriest, most frustrated, is the idea of uh, any kind of complacency or like a satisfaction with just making it only a fan experience and not actually the desire to win. Like I, I would want a team to be in the business of winning and also the business of entertainment. But it feels like kind of getting cheated a little bit when you don't get that. Now, I say that knowing that with the way that baseball is constructed and the environment that sometimes people tank to win, right? No one loses because it's fun to lose. You, you tank to get those picks, to get that opportunity. Um, but overall, that is probably the thing, my least favorite thing, the thing I would change. And I don't know if the players wanting to increase the, um, the, uh, the threshold or, or what will have a big impact. Like maybe it just makes the best team spend more. And, and smaller market teams don't. And so maybe it widens the gap. But if there's just something to try to create parity, I think that's what I would do. You don't like the big monsters that win it every year? or the, No, no yeah. Shannon. No, no Shannon. nobody likes it. You know not. what? We could just make a stamp on this right now. Yeah. Nobody likes seeing the Yankees at the Absolutely very no top one. every year. But, but when was the last love, time they won a World Series? We love knocking off the Yankees when they're at the very top. So if we can do something to increase the uh, competitive <laughs> balance for everybody else so they have a better shot to take those guys down, I'm all in. I'm, I'm absolutely with you. I'm pro-making life harder for the Yankees. <laughs> Whatever change I can make to baseball that would result in that, I'm, I would vote yes. Stacy. Thank you so much for taking time Thanks, with us guys. today. This was fun. Yay. Hey, bye. I'm leaving now. <laughs> so fun to talk with Stacy there. And I love that, you know, she puts herself where a lot of people have been. Absolutely. And coming later into the game through her life, there's a lot of people who are getting used to Mariners baseball again or who are jumping on the bandwagon for the first time because it has been a while since the team has really been going for it to try and make the playoffs and it's just so exciting and, and fun to watch her experience that bring it to the air every day the energy that that show has around the Mariners <laughs> is so fun you get to be a part of it which I'm jealous of you get to talk to Scott Service which I'm also jealous of it's it's a lot of fun so it was great to talk to her it is it's a lot of fun and you're right that energy with between Jake and Stacy and sometimes I'm just and I was all less calm down there's plenty of time and she I think alluded to that don't worry. Don't panic. One loss is one loss. Yeah, it has been an experience. I look forward to doing that again this upcoming season. Wow. A fun show all around. Uh, we learned a lot more about Harry Ford, more than we could have imagined. Gary explained war once and for all. I think we all feel better about that. One of my favorite stats, so I'm excited about that. Julio Rodriguez. Oh, please. The sooner the better. Let's yes. let's go. Let's yes. go. I am I'm willing to put that one to the test. And, <laughs> you know, but uh, of course, before we do all of that, we got to get baseball back, and hopefully, we are getting you know one step closer. Hopefully, hopefully, some things happen this week, next week, and uh, we can start to think about sending some things down to Arizona. Because as fun as these conversations are, we need some baseball. And no, no matter how long the lockout lasts, we're always one day closer to it being over. I think so. that's what I was saying. Thank you. Yeah, this is yeah. A good Shannon interpreter. Right there you there. go. That's why we're doing this together. That's my sunny outlook right there. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully more days behind us than in front of us, but uh, we shall see. What we do know for certain is we will be talking baseball same time, same place next week. It's been a blast. We'll do it again. Thanks.